Hello, everyone. I'm Pastor Steve Hogg at First Baptist Church in Rock Hill, located on Dave Lyle Boulevard. Really glad you've joined us for this broadcast. Today, we're going to be talking about that very important but sometimes awkward thing of having spiritual conversations with people who don't go to church. Pay attention because God's going to encourage you to be a more faithful disciple. And I like to talk. Not only am I a preacher, but on personality profiles, I'm a very high I personality type, so I can talk to a tree. I just like to talk, okay? And uh, I remember this, this uh, Thursday afternoon, Melissa and I drove to Lexington, South Carolina, spent the night with Stephen and Sarah. She's getting ready to have their first child. And then we Friday drove on to Hanahan, Charleston area, spent the night with Jacqueline and her family. And so Thursday evening, we met Stephen and Sarah at uh, the Flight Deck restaurant in, uh, in Lexington. And I can tell you that my waitress name is Nikki, spelled with two Ks. She has two kids, and she has family living in Chester, South Carolina. I told you I like to talk. The other day when I was at the, the beach on my study retreat, one day I went out to Denny's for lunch. They have these uh, grilled platters, you know, grilled chicken and stuff with mushrooms and broccoli and, and pepper and onion, and I like that dish. So I said, I want to get one of those. And I'm sitting in this booth, you know, reading my book, and I noticed on the way in this gentleman who was seated at the, the counter. And my initial impression, for whatever reason, okay, just take it for what it's worth, my initial impression is, you know, he's, he's struggling or maybe he's homeless. Just had that appearance, okay? Just felt that way. So I'm sitting over here, and he, he gets up and goes in and out a couple of times, and I'm reading my book. Now, this fall I'm going to do teaching on the Reformation because October is the 500-year anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. So I'm going to spend all fall, we're going to learn about the Reformation and some of the key issues and doctrines Related to that. And so I'm reading this book on, on Protestant history. And uh, at one point when he gets up to walk out, because my booth is near the, the door, he, he, he says, uh, what's your book about? And by the way, if you want to start conversations with people, when you're eating alone, take a book. And quite often people will ask you, what are you reading? Great conversation starter. And anyway, I hold it up and show him. And we begin talking just briefly about the Protestant Reformation. And he says, you know, I... I read a lot of spiritual books too. Now let me tell you, if you're a disciple of Jesus and you want to talk to someone about spiritual things and about Jesus, is that a pretty good opening? I mean, that's a door big enough you could drive a Mack truck through it, right? Well, we talked a little bit more, but guess what? I didn't walk through that door. Any of you ever found yourself with an opportunity you didn't grab? You ever had an opportunity to say something to someone about church, about Christ, about spiritual things, and you didn't do it for whatever reason? Now, I went on to learn he wasn't homeless. He was there to see his wife, who was one of the waitresses, <laughs> which goes to show that first impressions are what? Often wrong. So we have all these assumptions in our minds about people. And when it comes to this issue of spiritual conversations, which is what we're going to talk about today, we have a lot of misconceptions about engaging people in conversation. We have a lot of assumptions about people who don't go to church, assumptions about people who don't know Jesus, about people who are lost. And those assumptions are just flat out wrong quite often. I'm convinced that those bad assumptions are what sometimes cause us to not walk through those open doors, those opportunities to talk to someone about Christ. Because we have all this conversation going on in our head, and it's a wrong, it's an inaccurate, it's a false conversation, and it deters us. 
So I want to talk about spiritual conversations this morning. Talking to people who don't go to church, people who don't know Christ, don't have a relationship with Him about how they can have a relationship with Jesus. Inviting people to church. It's one of our eight passions. A couple of weeks ago I had you stand and we looked at each of the banners around the room, a banner for each of our passions. And and spiritual conversations is talking to people. That, that's not what you and I do with each other, okay? That's spiritual friendship. That's fellowship. Spiritual conversations are those conversations we have with lost people, unchurched people, about spiritual matters, about things of Scripture, about Christ, about a relationship, about forgiveness, about eternal life, about heaven. So it's talking to lost people about spiritual things. It's one of our passions. And, and it's a piece of the puzzle because, you know, I've said that, you know, a puzzle, when you lose a piece, it's just incomplete and feels right. I told you my wife loves puzzles. She started working on a, a new one last night. In fact, since I said that a couple of weeks ago, she's met people in the church who like puzzles, and they're now starting to exchange puzzles. Thank God it means I don't have to buy anymore. But if you, if, you, if, you, if you pour all those pieces out and you're missing one, the puzzle's just incomplete. It doesn't look right. And the same thing is true in our lives as disciples. We've said that these passions are a description of what it looks like to be a growing Christian, to be a follower of Christ. And, and if one piece is missing, we're incomplete as disciples, just like you see on the screen. If the, the puzzle piece at the top, which is spiritual conversations, is missing, your life is not complete. Your discipleship is incomplete. And that's an area you need to work on. It's an area in which you need to grow. Do, do you remember? Do you remember what Jesus said about this subject? When he called his first followers, what did he say? Follow me and I will make you what? Yeah, Mark chapter one. Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. Fishing for men. Why? Because they need to be caught, because they need us to engage them in spiritual conversations. What, I mean, do you think Jesus would ask us to do something that wasn't needed? And by the way, he said, when you follow me, that's the very thing I'm trying to accomplish in your life. When you follow me, I'm trying to train you, grow you, make you to be somebody who fishes for men. Men and women who need Christ. Men and women who need heaven. Men and women who need eternal life. So if we're not doing that, then, then in some sense you could say we are resisting the very thing that Jesus said, when you follow me, I'm going to do in your life. Now just think of you on that for a moment. Because he says, if you're going to follow me, I want you to care about other people. And not just the people in your Sunday school class, not just the people in your church, but the people who are struggling in life. The people who are outside of Christ, outside the church. And let me ask you this. If those of us who know Jesus don't talk to them about Jesus, how will they ever hear about Jesus? If those of us who go to church never invite them to church, how will they ever be invited to church? So if you have your Bible, please open it with me to the Gospel of John chapter 4. A very familiar story uh, we're going to look at today because Jesus practiced what he preached. He modeled it for us, and this is a good example of his modeling for us what it looks like to engage someone in spiritual conversation. Let me give you the background. Let's just tell you the story, and then we'll look at some verses and, and discuss some lessons. 
Jesus and his disciples have been in uh, Jerusalem in Judea down in the south. Now they're returning to Galilee up in the north, which in the beginning was his base of ministry, his base of operation, if you will. But in between Galilee and Judea is this country called Samaria. And so to get to Galilee, they have to pass through Samaria. And they come to this area where Jacob's well had been dug by the patriarchs centuries earlier, located near a village. They've been walking, traveling, they're tired. And Jesus sits down by the well to rest while his disciples go into that small village to buy some food. They're hungry. He doesn't have anything to draw water with. But he's just sitting there resting while he waits for the disciples to get back. While he's resting, this woman from the nearby village, this Samaritan woman, she comes to the well to draw water. And when she gets there, Jesus asks her for a drink of water. Now, he's not being rude. He didn't have anything to draw water from the well with. She did. So he, he basically asked her, could you get me a, you know, a cup of water, something, something to drink? And um, they begin talking. Eventually, Jesus turns the conversation from talking about that water that he was thirsty for, that he wanted to drink, to living water. He changed the conversation from something practical and earthy, if you will, to something spiritual and eternal. And the conversation is, is related to us in that chapter. The, a lot of things are said back and forth between the two of them. But the end result is, at the, through this conversation that Jesus turned from practical to spiritual, she becomes a believer who then runs back to the village from which she had came and begins telling people there about Christ. She, she begins having spiritual conversations with them, and the long and short of it is a lot of people in that village become followers of Christ. And, and by the way, isn't that how it's supposed to work? Those of us who've entered into a relationship with Christ engage people who don't know Jesus in conversation, and they then engage others in conversation, and it just gets, keeps getting passed on and on as we're all talking about Jesus, as we're all having these spiritual conversations. And so this story to me is an example of how Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to engage people in spiritual conversation so let's look at some of the verses and just talk about some of the things we learn from it okay picking up in chapter 4 verses 5 and 6 it describes jesus uh, and his disciples going through this uh, through samaria and coming to the near near this village where the well is that jacob had dug for his son joseph and uh, verse 6 verse 6 and jacob's well was there and so jesus being wearied from his journey was sitting thus by the well and it was about the sixth hour. If it was the Jewish clock, that's noon. If it's the Roman clock, that's 6 p.m. Could be either. We don't know. But he's sitting there resting because he's he's tired. I mean, he, it, he, he'd been traveling. He, he'd been walking a long distance, and he was weary. And that's on top of all the emotional stress that he, that he dealt with in ministry and in life. And here's one of the lessons I want us to understand. Opportunities for spiritual conversation don't always come when we're in the best place, when we're in the best mood, when we're the most rested. Because life, listen, life has a way of just making us weary, doesn't it? It really does. And uh, they, they, these opportunities come as we're journeying through life, doing our thing. The, the opportunity I did not see sitting at that booth at Denny's at North Myrtle Beach 
I'm there reading the book. Now, why was I reading that book? Because every Sunday, y'all expect me to get up here and do what I'm doing now and be prepared, right? So I was studying. Some of you who teach Sunday school classes, women's classes, other groups, you study, you prepared. So I'm sitting, I'm, I'm focused. I'm, I'm trying to pull all this history together. And how can I teach this to our church this fall in a way that makes sense and doesn't make you feel like you're in a, you know, a three-month history class? And, and, and how, how do I do that in a way that's, that's effective, in a way that, that's meaningful and inspiring? And so I'm zeroed in. I've focused, okay, and, and I've I, I read parts or all of about 20 books that week. So my mind is just all in there, okay, and I'm focused, and I'm making notes, and I'm, I'm thinking. In the middle of all that, this guy... Isn't that how life works? You see, doing evangelism is not about just, you know, the old-fashioned Tuesday, Tuesday evening witness time, visit time for the church. It's about where God has you at the moments of your life as you journey through life. Opportunities are there, and the struggle is to see them, and then next the struggle is when we see them to seize them. If, if you think you're going to do this when life gets easier or better, you're kidding yourself because if you don't do it when you're weary, you will not do it when you're rested. We either do it or we don't do it. But opportunities come when we least expect them and often when we're not, when we're not rested and, you know, and, 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 and ready for them. Um, Jacqueline uh, had some time couple of weeks ago because Evan one evening had to go to the Air Force Base for a meeting, so she took the kids to Chick-fil-A. If you ask Liam where he wants to go eat, it'll always be Chick-fil-A or uh, um, um, uh, what's the Mexican fast food? Uh, huh? Taco Bell. They asked him, what do you want for your birthday? He said, Taco Bell. And he's six. What do you, that's, you know, I guess we're going to Taco Bell. <laughs> They were in Chick-fil-A. Now, he's six. He'll be seven next month. They have a really good playground at this Chick-fil-A, one of those enclosed ones. And so there's this little girl about the same age, and they're playing. And Jacqueline notices sitting next to her this, this, this woman, this young mother who just looked like she had the weight of the world on her shoulder. And they just, and she, and, you know, they sitting close to each other, but they weren't talking, just sitting close to each other. And... Jacqueline just feels impressed, and, she, and she's like me. She's got that eye personality. She can talk to a tree as well, and so she, she talks to her. And the long and short of it is she's a single mom, and they start talking about the kids and trying to get their kids involved in things so they can meet other kids. And, you know, it's one of those conversations that just moves, you know, along the continuum of what we talk about when we meet somebody for the first time, and they got into why they were in Charleston, and she had moved there, you know, through the military because of her cancer, and finds out this young mother's, uh, her mother had had breast cancer, and of course Jacqueline, is, you know, had breast cancer, and, and one thing leads to the next, and meeting kids, and, 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 and the young mother, this young single mother mentions, you know, the other day, I, I, you know, I haven't been to church in years. I used to go, but I haven't been in years. But the other day, I, I had a new experience. I went to this, I went to this church, New Spring. It's their Charleston campus. That's where Jacqueline and Evan attend and, and are active. And, and, and she said, she, she, and, and when she says that, Jacqueline kind of lights up. 
and uh, finds out this young mother about three weeks before that had a friend invite her to go to church with her at New Spring. But, and she said, well, thank you, but I, I don't think so. And then about a week later, she had another friend invite her to go to church with her at New Spring. And, and then a week later, she had another friend invite her to go to church at New Spring. And by the way, do you catch, do you catch what's going on here? Invite, 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 invite. If you don't, nobody comes. You want, you want to know what's going on in this worship service, what's going on in your Sunday school class, what's going on in this church? Look in the mirror and ask yourself, how many people do you invite regularly? And you've got the answer. And that young, that young single mom said, you know, I, when the third person invited me, I thought, well, maybe God's trying to tell me something. And so she went to church on her own. And was, it, was, it was intimidating for her. And so Jacqueline begins talking to her about church, and Jacqueline shares her, her testimony, her faith, her story with her. Be praying because this morning at about 11.15, that young mother's supposed to meet Jacqueline and go to church with her. So be praying she shows up because they were texting while we were down there yesterday. See, God, God puts you in places. She just took her two kids to Chick-fil-A to eat sandwiches and let them play on the playground and get a break while they climbed all that stuff. But God always has a bigger purpose in mind if you and I are willing to seize it. It's as we journey through life and engaging, engaging people and inviting people. See, God, God's bigger than us, and he has this beautiful, wonderful, magnificent way of orchestrating things you and I could never orchestrate. We're, we're just part of it. And aren't you glad to know that you are part of what God is up to? So cooperate with him. Well, look at verse 7. Chapter 4, verse 7. This woman from Samaria comes to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me, give me a drink. Now, what's, in, what's important about that? The, he, he started the conversation just on practical, everyday stuff. He wanted to drink water. Jacqueline and that young mother started on just everyday stuff. You know, the guy at uh, the restaurant with me, what are you reading? What's your book about? Ordinary stuff. How do you, you just got to start talking to people. And you know what I've learned? I have, I've lived long enough and I've talked to enough people to know that I'm not going to get shot because I say hi to somebody. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how, how, how hard we make this stuff? Just engage somebody in, in conversation. Just start talking to them and see where it goes. Gonna have a cup of water. That's how that's how Jesus started it. And sometimes those conversations lead to deeper conversations. Sometimes they don't, but quite often, quite often they they do. Look at verse nine. And the Samaritan woman said to Jesus, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, this conversation was, was uh, unexpected. She didn't expect him to say a word to her. It was surprising. Why? 
Well, one, he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan, and Jews didn't like Samaritans. You remember that sermon series last fall on the Minor Prophets and how the northern kingdom was destroyed by the Assyrians and the southern kingdom over a century later by the Babylonians? And when the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom, they brought some foreigners in and settled them in the northern area that we now know as Samaria, and they intermarried with a few of the poor Jews that stayed behind and created a, a group of people that were part Jew and part whatever. And they came to be known in the New Testament era as Samaritans. The, the, the pure Jew considered them a, a half-breed, an impure Jew, and, and disdained them. And here's Jesus. He's a Jew, and he's talking to this Samaritan. Really? She's shocked. Plus, she's a woman because later in the story, when the disciples came back and saw Jesus talking to her, they were surprised he was talking to her because she was a woman, because men didn't talk to women in public who were devout Jews. Wow. A double whammy. She's a woman. He's a man. She's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. He's not supposed to be talking to her. But guess what? That's exactly what he's doing. He's talking to her. You put any little circles around yourself and say, unless you're in my little circle, I, I, I have nothing to do with you. Are, are there people that would shock them to death if you said something to them? So you're never going to say anything to anybody about Jesus unless you first say hi to them and tell them your name. <laughs> Just talk to them. And surprise yourself. You know, one of the best things in life is having new experiences. So get out there and have some new experiences and talk to some new people. And, and just, you know, just start. Just start. You know, surprises can be good, right? All right, guys, how did y'all do this past Valentine's Day? How'd you do? Ladies, how'd they do? I'm glad there's one happy woman in the room. My wife made it very clear to me she wanted roses this year for Valentine's Day. I'd have to be dead to not know what she wanted. Well, Tuesday evening she had roses. But you see, I like to have fun. I'm that personality type. So she got up Thursday morning, went down to the kitchen, and do you know what was on the counter? Not roses. A little container of a dozen Belgian chocolate, milk chocolate roses. Because I knew she would think all day that's all she's getting. <laughs> was that, that was kind of mean, wasn't it? <laughs> hey, but hey, guess what? Now for the next few weeks I get to eat some Belgian chocolate. Well, <laughs> 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 no, she's got those beautiful red roses. They're, they look really good in the kitchen right now. I, you know, I got her the real thing too. Surprises can add spice to life. Surprise yourself. Surprise somebody else and engage them in conversation. It'll do good for them and you. It'll bless your soul and your heart. Quit hiding. Stop, stop living in that bubble you've created for yourself. Just get out there and be with people and talk to people and love on people and be nice to people and invite people and watch what God does. Well, Jesus begins moving the conversation to more spiritual things. 
And in verse 10, Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God, if you really understand how much God loves you and what he wants to do for you, the gift of life that he wants to give you, if you really understood that, and you understand who it is that, that says this to you, who I am that's talking to you, you'd, you'd ask me to give you that living water. So he just transitioned it from the practical to the spiritual. Now, I don't have time this morning to teach you how to do that other than to say, if you'll listen carefully, people will say things that if you'll seize that word or that statement or that issue or that need or that question or that statement or that moment, <laughs> it's not that hard. And by the way, because we, we make this so much harder than it really is, okay? We worry about it a whole lot more than they do. How many of you, when you talk to somebody, will change subjects in mid-sentence? Hmm. Huh? Yeah. We, we can have one conversation with somebody and talk about 15 different things, right? Well, why does it seem weird to us if we're having a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden we change it over to something spiritual? You know who makes you think that's weird? Satan, who doesn't want you to ever talk about anything spiritual. That's, that's no more strange than talking about roses and then talking about basketball. We just, I mean, we do it. You ladies are really good at changing subject. Now, now that's going back to the stereotype. I'm wrong. We all change subjects, right? So don't make it hard. Don't make it weird. Just talk. I'll be talking to people sometime and I'll say, hey, do you go to church anywhere? That's no different than asking them what's their favorite restaurant. We just think it is. They don't want to tell me where they go to church. That's okay. I haven't lost anything. Find ways to, to just change the subject. And by the way, you're going to find that people, especially where we live, are more open to this than you realize. Look, look at verses 16 and 18 because Jesus is talking to this woman and he says, hey, go call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You've had five of them and the man you're with right now, you're not married to. And then she said, well, you're a prophet to know all that. And he said, yes, I am. Now, sometimes we think everybody out there who doesn't go to church is that messed up. Right? Some of them are. There are people in our city who are hurting that much. And they need love and they need help. But there's a lot of people in our city who are not hurting that much. They still need Jesus. They have other hurts and other wounds and other needs in their life. But we have all these misconceptions of lost people. Um, research done recently looked at this and do you know that now this is across all of america so not just here in the south or in south carolina just across all of america some of these numbers i think would be even higher here in south carolina across all of america they they ask they, they study people who had not been to church in six months okay except for a funeral or a wedding perhaps had not been to church in six months do you know that of those 56 percent who had not been to church in six months self-identified themselves as Christians and members of particular denominations. 
56% across America who have not been to church in six months self-identified themselves as Catholic, 20% as Protestant, 11% as non-denomination. You add all that up, 56% of those who don't go to church say, I'm a part of this Christian group. Brave enough to self-identify themselves as such. Why would you be afraid to talk to somebody like that? That's over half the people in America who don't go to church. Brothers and sisters, I'll tell you, in Rock Hill it's more than 56%. Why are we afraid to talk to people? Across all of America, 32% self-identified as non-religious. Doesn't mean they're hostile. They just don't identify as religious. 12% as other religions. And by the way, the majority of them said they would be likely to attend church if somebody they knew invited them. The biggest mistake we make. It's practically everything we do, we want to do it with our same group over and over and over. I've got to wrap this. I've got to wrap this up. In verse 27, the disciples come back and they're surprised that he's um, talking to this lady. Don't worry about what other people think about you. Just do what God's telling you to do. Verses 31 and, and uh, uh, following. Uh, they're trying to get Jesus to eat. And he says, I've got food you don't know anything about. And they're saying, who brought him some food? I didn't. You No, no, we didn't bring him some food. And Jesus said in the next verse, verse 34, he said, my food is to do the will of God. In other words, Jesus is saying, when I start talking to people about this stuff, I get energized. Your spiritual life's in a rut. You're experiencing spiritual lethargy. Get out and talk to somebody about things that matter. Get out and talk to somebody about Jesus. Invite some people to church. Get out and do some spiritual stuff. That will energize you a whole lot more than a retreat will. Here's the thing I've learned. The, the, the more inward we go trying to boost ourselves spiritually, it doesn't work long run unless you're letting it flow out to bless other people. You want to get energized? Get out there and start doing what Jesus called you, called you to, to do.